This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. You're about to buy a home. Suddenly an email arrives from your agent or broker telling you to wire your down payment to a bank. Watch out. It may be a clever scam, one that's happening nationwide. It's one of those transactions that people are extremely nervous about. There's always time pressure and urgency involved. And this has just proved to be a really ripe environment for cyber criminals to exploit. Then, the foster care system is meant to protect kids. But when foster care makes a mistake, taking kids from parents where there is no problem, what happens next? Families of color are very disproportionately the subject to both hotline calls and findings of abuse or neglect. Those two stories and more are straight ahead. Stay with us. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. You're about to buy a home. The closing date is days away and an unexpected email arrives from your real estate agent with instructions to wire the down payment funds immediately or the deal might fall through. But watch out. It might be a scam setting you up to lose some money. Here to explain is Ryan Callenber, Senior Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy for security company Proofpoint. Ryan, welcome to the show. Is this a new kind of fraud that's targeting home buyers? It isn't a necessarily new kind of fraud, but we've seen a big uptick in activity, and we've frankly seen it all around the world. If you think about it, it's one of those transactions that people are extremely nervous about. There's always time pressure and urgency involved. And this has just proved to be a really ripe environment for cyber criminals to exploit. And these large sums of money wired by these victims goes overseas, I guess. So it's out of reach of U.S. law enforcement, right? It is very quickly. So the typical way that a wire transfer works is that it goes into an account which clears that very quickly. And then from there, the cyber criminals can move it on to many other accounts, many of which tend to be overseas. Hong Kong is an especially common destination for this, and even mainland China. At that point, it's almost impossible to get the money back, even if you're a fairly large corporation with a lot of resources, which in this case is not what we're talking about. We're talking about individuals trying to, in a lot of cases, use their life savings to buy a home. And the reason so many consumers get fooled is the email they receive with the instructions looks identical to what a real estate agent or mortgage broker has been sending them all along. So it's a really clever spoof with some really awful results for the victims. Indeed. And there's really two ways that this happens. One is it can be spoofed, as you say. People don't quite realize this, but most of the time you can misrepresent anybody via email unless they're doing a set of technical things that most real estate agents, frankly, are not doing. And secondly... If your real estate agent or anybody else involved in the transaction, like the title company, actually gets what we call phished, as in uh, cyber criminal steals their username and password and is able to log in as them, then they don't even need to bother spoofing. They're actually sending you an email from the right account. So it looks exactly as it's supposed to. Very often they can use an item in the send items that is a perfectly formatted message. It's in perfect English. None of the sorts of things that would tip you off. And, of course, from reading the real estate agent's email, they know actually that you're in the middle of this transaction. So it is incredibly difficult to tell it apart 
from a normal request made by a normal party in a real estate transaction. Yeah, and I understand that it will sometimes have the exact amount of the down payment in the email, so it looks very real. In one case I heard about, there are many people in China who come and buy real estate in the U.S. as investments, and this realtor had received an email from China, and apparently there was a file attached, and they opened it, and then the malware was installed on their computer, and the rest is history, I guess. What can people do to not be a victim of this type of situation? What do you suggest? From the perspective of anybody buying a house right now, the telephone is your best friend. You do not want to be relying on email as a communication channel that you have any degree of trust in. Uh, and I say that as somebody who looks at a lot of malicious email for a living. You want to call your broker. You want to ideally, and I even did this when I purchased my last house, I went physically to the title company so I could make sure that I was wiring everything exactly to the place it needed to go. I wasn't relying on texts. I wasn't relying on emails. I wasn't relying on a communication channel I couldn't trust. When it comes to real estate agents and title companies and everybody else involved in this ecosystem, the advice remains the same. Don't click on links and email if you can absolutely avoid it. And you mentioned an example of a case where somebody installed malware on their computer. This doesn't, in a lot of cases, even require installing malware. Sometimes it's just a link that points you to a page that looks a whole lot like your normal login page, and they're simply stealing your password. So even without actually installing malware on your device, the cyber criminals can get all of the information they need to convincingly trick you into sending money the wrong way. And we all have to be more vigilant about that, particularly given what's at stake here. We're talking with Ryan Kalimber, Senior Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy for security company Proofpoint. Ryan, perhaps for nervous home buyers, are there steps they can take with their bank, for example, to basically say, never wire any money unless I come to the bank and tell you to do that? Can you put in those types of safeguards ahead of time? It depends on your bank, but many banks do support that. You can put all kinds of conditions in terms of how money can be wired. And it's actually fairly similar to another best practice for a lot of consumers, which is freezing your credit. There's actually a new U.S. law that was enacted in late September that allows you for free to freeze your credit with all the major credit agencies. So if you're not doing something like opening a line of credit, signing up for a new credit card, etc., you can make sure that nobody can open an account in your name. The same effectively applies to wire transfers, and you should check with your bank in terms of the controls that you can put in place to make sure that they check maybe not once, not twice, but three times before ever approving a wire from your account. This type of fraud is amazing how much money has been lost. According to the FBI, the figures I have here, since 2013, the losses have topped $12 billion with these crimes. And in some cases, people lose their life savings, so it can be very, very tragic. Any other advice you have for our listeners, Ryan? I think it's certainly worth being vigilant in pretty much every aspect of our lives when it comes to digital communication. The one thing that I try and underscore to absolutely everybody is that email is not a channel that you should trust for communications that genuinely matter to you. If it's something big like buying a home or even if it's something small like approving a smaller transaction or doing a business deal with somebody, cyber criminals are really good at stealing passwords, reading people's email, and understanding how to get in the middle of the digital transactions that make up our daily life. 
And so a little bit of vigilance in that case goes a long way. The other thing that I'd recommend to absolutely everybody, try and implement what we call two-factor authentication on all of your accounts. That means don't just rely on a single password. If you do rely on a password, use a password manager. That said, all of that is not enough when it comes to these transactions when you rely on other people like real estate agents. And then I would hate to sound like a bit of a Luddite, but go back to the phone, go back to showing up in person because that transaction is big enough for the inconvenience to really genuinely be worth it. Yeah, again, to cite the example that I heard about, the person did call their mortgage broker to say, what is this? I thought I wasn't supposed to wire the money. And the broker said, what are you talking about? And of course, then the whole thing was in the open. And luckily, that person did not lose their money. But yeah, making a phone call is about the least you can do just to protect yourself. Ryan, this is really great information and hopefully will save our listeners a lot of heartache down the road. Ryan Callenber, Senior Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy for security company Proofpoint. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been my pleasure. Next, what happens when the foster care system makes a mistake? That story, straight ahead. There's more info track coming up. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 